Over the last few weeks, we've been in this series that we've titled Getting Into Shape. And we talked about shape as an acronym. And each one of these things represents the parts that God has given us to become the people that He wants us to be. And, and let's recap. The S stands for spiritual gifts. Good, good. The H stands for heart, our passions, our likes, the things that we're passionate about. The A stands for abilities, abilities, the things that are innately, as we were born, we're good at. Last week we learned a lot about a P, and P stands for personality, personality. And today we tackle the letter E, and E stands for experience, experience. Seems you guys know it so well, maybe I don't have to preach anymore. Um, I, I want to ask a question this morning. Do you own an electronic device? Raise your hand. Okay, some have two. All right. Do you own a computer? Yes? Okay. Then that means that the majority of you have experienced something that in the tech world we like to call an update. Okay, I, I already know where you stand with that. Because I was going to ask you, how many of you like to update your devices? No. How many of you hate to update your devices? Especially if you have a Windows, right? Because this is what happens. I've, I, have to, I have to show you this. I'm a Mac guy, but um, it says right there, your PC will restart in two days. You know, updates are a funny thing because they are supposed to help us to do things easier and better. You agree with that? If you're a Mac person, you're waiting for the next OS, for the next iOS, for the next operative system, system for your watch because it will do better things, easier things, cooler things. But the thing with updates, it, it's a lot like life. We like to enjoy the new things, the cool things, but we hate to go through the update. You see, all updates work like this. They use the old code to add new things to make it better. And life is kind of like that. See, as we go through life, as we learn, as we live, as we go through experiences, we kind of go through a no learning code. And this code is embedded in our lives. And every day, every decision, every experience that we go through adds to the old code that we had already. So in essence, every experience that we go through in life, it is an update. Because we learn a new thing or at least we should have learned something with experience. I'd like to take you to Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. And that is in your notes. That text is in your notes. Uh, uh, today, uh, as we've been doing in this series, we've been using the English Standard Version. No reason in particular, just that I understand it. Uh, Romans 8, 28 says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. Now, this is quite an interesting text because do you know what all things means in the original Greek? All things. <laughs> that means that everything, everything that you go through life, 
the good things, the bad things, the, the, the happy things, the sad things, all the things that you go through in life, God meant it for you to experience. God meant it for you to become the person that he made you to be. They did not happen as a random act of, of the universe. They did not happen by chance. They happened because they were part of a plan. And the plan is a plan that God has for your life. Can you say amen? amen? Now, if God has a plan for you, family, that means that we should not, that we cannot waste any experiences that we go through in life. Because we'll, we'll waste, we'll miss the chance to learn what God has for us. Notice what it says in the second part of the text. For those who are called according to His purpose. That means, family, that whatever God does, whatever happens in my life, whatever God allows to happen in my life, it has a purpose. And as I learn through those experiences, I'm getting closer to the purpose that God made me to be and to experience. Now, for that reason, family, we ask the question, what can I do with my experiences? But the first thing that we need to understand is that our experiences need to be embraced. I need to accept my experiences. I need to make it my own. Because, see, some of the things that happen in our life, we don't want to remember. We don't want to think about. We don't, wanna, we don't, we, we don't even want to tell that story to anybody because we hate those experiences. And we all have some of those. Don't we? Now, uh, this reminds me of the story in the Old Testament uh, of Joseph. Joseph was a man. He, he was a man. That he was, uh, in fact, he was a teenager when he was taken away from his family. And if you remember the story, because you've maybe seen the musical, uh, Joseph was taken to Egypt. And as he was in Egypt, he learned difficult lessons that nobody wants to learn in that same way. Joseph was a, a servant in a house, and, and it was the house of somebody who was very wealthy, somebody who had position, somebody who was a, a captain of the army, a general of the army, somebody who was very wealthy and, and well located in the Egyptian uh, 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 social strata. And, and what happened was that, that Joseph was a handsome young man, and his looks got him into trouble. The, the master told him that everything in the house was his. Obviously, except his wife. But the wife didn't get the memo. And what happened was that, 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 that she wanted to tempt Joseph. And Joseph responded one simple way. There's no way I can sin against my God. That took Joseph to jail. He didn't do a thing. He was honest. He was responsible with his with his. Uh, with his job, with his master, with God, and he ended up in jail. Is that fair? Have you ever been through an experience that is not fair? But see, this is a response that Joseph writes. Genesis 50 verse 20. As for you, you meant evil. And he's also referring to his brothers. Those, were, those 12 or 11 actually were the ones that sold him into slavery. That's how he ended up in Egypt. So he says, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Are you reading what I'm reading? To bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. And you remember, because he was in jail, he met the cupbearer and the, and the bread maker, and, 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 and he interpreted their dreams. And then Pharaoh had a dream, and they remember that he interpreted the dreams. So he went before Pharaoh, and he became the second in the kingdom. Amen. Now, 
there's bad things that happen to us. Those things that we don't want to embrace. Just like Joseph. And see, bad things happen in three forms. In how many? Okay, you're, I'm checking if you're still awake because it's hot. No? And some of you are wearing ties, so I don't know. One. One. The first thing that happens to us bad is troubles. Can you say troubles? troubles. Now, troubles are things that God allows to happen in your life. And God allows those troubles to happen in our lives so that we can learn to trust in Him. The second bad thing that happens to us are temptations. Temptations. And, and temptations are designed by the devil. These are not allowed by God. I mean allowed by God, but God doesn't do them directly. It's the devil that designs them. But God uses them so that we can learn to obey God. And the third kind of bad things that we experience is trespasses. Trespasses are things that other people do against us. But God uses them to teach us to forgive. All of us have experienced troubles. Is there anybody here who has never experienced trouble? <laughs> I was about to bring you up here to tell us how. See, so all of us, all of us have experienced trouble, correct? So that means that God allowed those troubles to come into our life so that we can learn to trust Him. Because if He allowed it in our life, that, and the Bible tells us that there's not something more difficult that God has allowed us to experience that we can have the strength to go through. So this, the next thing that happens to us is that, that, that we experience temptations. Has anybody here never been tempted? All of us have been tempted, haven't we? In different ways. According to our heart is our temptation. So for some of you, food might be a temptation. For others, could be television. For others, could be soccer. Good, things that, good thing that Mexico is not playing anymore. Um, or Argentina, you know, I don't know, whatever. But uh, for some of us, sports are temptations. And we can't wait to check the score on a Sabbath morning. See, so all of us go through temptations, but God uses those temptations so that we can learn to obey. Now, trespasses, that's a different ballgame. Because, see, trespasses are things that God allows other people to do to us. Have you ever been offended? Have you, have you ever been talked to harshly? Have you ever been discriminated? Has anybody ever broken your heart? Okay, now I'm getting into that subject. And sadly is that usually the people that we are the closest to are the ones that break our heart the most. And we go through life when we don't deal with it properly, with the, with the burden, we, we, we go through it with, with, with the load of, of remorse and, and anger. And, and we want to not ever see that person again. And, and we are 
angry against this people or that group or the church or, or the pastor or, or that brother or that sister or my boss or my co-worker or my teacher or my classmate. But see, God allowed those things to happen so that we can learn to forgive. In fact, the commandments say that if we learn to forgive, this is by Jesus saying in the, in the, in the Lord's Prayer, we are forgiven in the way that we forgive. So we need trespasses to learn to forgive. If we don't learn to forgive, we will never be forgiven. Are you with me? So how we deal with these troubles, with these experiences, is how we are shaped. So we can't waste them. So once we embrace them, the next thing that we need to learn is to extract the lessons. I don't know what's going on. Extract the lessons. Every experience that we go through has the ability to teach us something. Every experience that we go through has the ability to teach us something. Job 32.7 says, I said, let they speak and many years teach wisdom. And if you remember the story of Job, in one day he lost his family, he lost his wealth, and even his wife. Because his wife said, curse die in God. You know, great support. So Job had lost everything pretty much, but he did not waste the experience. In fact, he learned that in that way, he could actually have a better experience with God. See, some people live 50 years. Some people have lived 50 years. But in reality, they live the same year 50 times. Let me explain. We go through an experience and we haven't yet learned the lesson that God is trying to teach us. And see, the thing, about, the thing about the school of experience is that when we think that we have graduated, they just added another course. And see, oftentimes we go through life and we don't learn the lesson. We fail and different than school, when we fail, we can take the test over and over and over. And over. Because see, God wants us to learn the lesson. And we can look at the Old Testament and see the people of Israel going through the desert. The walk was to be done within 14 days, but instead they walked for 40 years. For one simple reason. They did not learn the lesson. So the truth is that we never stop learning. See, I, I was pastoring a church one time, and, and when I was in that church, I noticed that, that the doors uh, in that church had little windows on the outside uh, through, to see to the outside. So from the lobby, like these doors that we had in the middle, they had a couple of windows, and people could see from the outside in, and I was looking from the pulpit out. And always there was this brother sitting or standing behind the door on the other side. Now, see, here, if you come to our building, you can hear the message because we have speakers everywhere. But in that church, we didn't have speakers. So I'm, I'm asking myself, as I'm preaching, and I see this brother standing outside every Sabbath, what are you doing there? 
right? So I gather all the valor that I could gather, and, and I ask, hey, brother, have I done something to you? Did I say something that offended you? And he's like, no, pastor, why? <laughs> well, you know, as I preach every Sabbath, I'm looking through the doors, and I see you standing outside. And, I mean, you're not a deacon. He said, well, pastor, let me tell you something. You know, I grew up in the church. My dad was a pastor. My mom was a teacher. So I learned already everything. I heard it all. I've heard all the sermons already. And see, what that brother was telling me is that he didn't want to grow anymore. Because see, the moment that we don't want to learn anything new, the moment that we don't want to learn anymore, we're saying automatically, that sounds better. My ears shrunk this week. Uh, we're saying automatically, that's it. This is the level that I want to reach. I don't want to grow anymore. I don't need life anymore. So life is not worth living anymore. So that's why we need to learn to, look, to extract the lessons and, so that we can grow. And, and the next thing that we need to do is to employ them to help others. See, Paul, Paul was known as an as a apostle to the Gentiles. In fact, his messages were not directed to Jews. They were directed to anybody who was not a Jew. He traveled all over the place. And he writes this in Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. I want you to know, brothers, that... What has happened to me, in other words, his, good, two people are, are breathing this morning, has really served to advance the gospel. Now, what has happened to me, he's saying, my experience has served so that the gospel can be preached. Now, this is something interesting because, see, Paul went through some amazing things. See, Paul traveled all over the known world. Paul got to meet some great people, some politicians, some people with authority, some people who were celebrities. People got to eat with them. People got to travel. I mean, Paul got to travel. He got to, to go places and do things and meet things and, and, and witnesses, witness miracles. But also he went through some horrible things. He got beaten by a snake. He got stoned. He got, he got shipwrecked. He got through all sorts of bad things too. But he says, see, out of all the good things and the bad things, God had used them so that I can learn, so that you can witness the power of the gospel. So see, Paul learned that as he lived his life and as he went through all the experiences, the good and the bad, he could use those experiences to teach the gospel to other people who didn't know it. Now, we are not Joseph, we are not Job, we are not Paul. Do you agree with me? How can we use our experiences today? I'd like to suggest, to suggest to you that the first way that we can do this is by using them to minister to others. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 6 says, If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort. Now, Paul is still talking. He says, If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. In other words, Paul is saying, See, everything that happens to me, I could use it to help you. 
See, to minister is to serve others for the love of the gospel. That is to minister. There's a lot of people who do great things, but it's not for the love of the gospel. It's not ministry. Are you with me? And it says, for we know that as you share in, your, in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. What he's saying is that everything that happens to me could be a blessing to you. So learn from this, he says. See, God leads us through problems so that we can learn to minister to other people. Um, in other words, we can guide people through go through problems when we ourselves have, have gone through similar problems. Nobody can minister to divorced people better than somebody who has been divorced. Nobody can minister better to somebody who is trying to get rid of drugs than somebody who has been rehabilitated. If you had sickness... If you had some kind of problems, if you had some kind of addictions, God can use your experience to help others with similar situations. Because see, God never wastes a hurt. So the hurts that you've been going through, don't think that just were bad things that happen in your life and that you should never talk about them. In fact, God allowed them to happen in your life so that you can use them to minister to somebody in similar situations. See, when we waste our bad experiences... All that is left is pain. But when we use our bad experiences, what is left is ministry. Now the second thing that we can do with our experiences, even the bad ones, is to use them to motivate others. See, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 11 says, Therefore encourage one another and build one another up as you are doing. I don't know if you see it here, but this is a motivation text. Encourage one another. See, we, we, we often think that motivation speaking is somebody who comes to the front and tells you, yeah, you can do it. It's kind of like t Tony Robbins. But see, that's not necessarily what motivation speaking is. See, to, to motivate somebody to do something is, is to tell them that there's still hope. And see, there's nothing that shows motivation better than when somebody who's gone through a similar situation, but they came out of their situation. See, I think that the best thing that we can do with our bad experiences, and, and we, we came out of them, is to demonstrate, to show the others that if God did it with me, He can do it with you. So we need to learn to demonstrate others that it can be done. So, so we need to, to, to be aware, we need to be observant of people who are going through problems or people who are, who are not as smiley as they were before and maybe ask the question, how are you doing? Because see, one of the things that we do as people in society today is that we like to smile. And we like to smile most of the time when we have nothing to smile about. We think that if we smile about, our, our problems will fade away with our smile. How are you doing? Fine. And, and, and we think that the more we smile, our problems will, will decrease. But in reality, all we're doing is masking it. I, I think that, that, that we have to learn two things. First, if you already came out of a problem, to learn how to discover other people with similar problems. And if you are in the middle of a problem, you need to learn to look for people who, are in the pro who have been in the problem that you have. I think the Bible calls it 
calls it iron sharpening iron. The second thing we need to do about motivating others is to help them overcome their fears. You, you see, uh, the, the, the greatest barrier for us to do something different, to do something new, is fear. Because we don't know how it feels. We don't know what will happen. I told you several times that I used to work as a lifer when I, when I was young and beautiful. Well, mostly young. I'm still kind of. Um, and what happened was that when we were teaching kids how to swim, uh, the sessions lasted two weeks. And, and at the end of the, of the second week, we took the kids to the diving board. And, and I used to work in, at, at Pasadena High School. And there, there are two pools. And one of the pools is the tank where, where, with two diving boards. And, and, uh, and the high one is a three-meter diving board, a 10 feet high. And, but you see, when, when, when you are five years, six years of age, that 10 feet from above looks like a mile It was supposed to be a fun experience for the kids who finished their, 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 their course, their session. But when they were standing out there and you are down there in the water and you're looking at them and all you see is the little toes showing off the board. And you tell them, jump, I'm here, I'll catch you. I'm like, uh, uh. But then something happens. See, we had a line of kids waiting. But in that line of kids, there was always another lifeguard. And what happened was that when that kid was showing the toes but not willing to jump because he was fearful, that lifeguard from the back would slowly walk towards that kid. And he would tell him, look, I'm going to grab your hand and we're going to jump together. Something miraculously, miraculous would happen. That that kid would hold the hand of the lifeguard and they would jump together. But now they were not fearful. They were screaming. But once they came out of the water, most of the time that kid would say, can I go again? Because see, all it takes is to do that thing that you're afraid to do once. Because once you do it and you experience it and you see what it is. The second time is a lot easier. So we have to help them overcome their fears as we motivate people. And the third thing that we do when we do that is to help, her, to, to help them break their barriers. You see, the human body, according to the people in the early 19th century, they believed that there was no way that the human body could be able to take the strength and endurance to run the mile in less than four minutes. But there was a man, his name was Roger Bannister. Roger Bannister. And Roger Bannister, this British man, said, I can break the barrier of the four-minute mile. And one time he did it. He broke it. And this is the crazy thing that happened. Within the next 12 months, I mean, yeah, 12 months, 12 other people broke it. Before him, nobody could. But after he showed the, the world that he could, 12 people broke the record of the four-minute mile. You see, all we have to understand sometimes is that our barriers, the limits that we have set for ourselves can be broken. And once we understand that, there's no limit that can hold us because the only limit that can hold us is what God has said you cannot do. But as long as Jesus said that all things you can do through me, there's no limit in your life. We said that we need to use them to model for other people and to give them hope. But, but this third thing uh, that I want to talk to you is that when, when I talk about, whoops, not that one. Uh, that one. Not yet. Uh, 
to model for others our experiences, I'm not telling you to go and model your problem and where you were when you were in the burden of the problem. Uh, I want you to, to, to model in this way. 1 Timothy 4.12 says, Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. See, Jesus is our only model. Are you with me? He's the only perfect model. Oftentimes we think that when we have to model our Christianity to other people, we have to model our perfection, and that's when we fail. Because we are not perfect. Is anybody here perfect? So that means that we cannot model perfection. Are you with me? And because we have taught, we have been taught that we have to be perfect, we can't model perfection, so we get discouraged. And we get angry. And we see the mistakes in everybody else because they're not perfect. I'm not perfect, neither are you. So I see your faults, your mistakes. I don't see your value. I don't see anything good in you. All I see is your faults. And I become judgmental because you know what? I'm not perfect and neither are you. So we live like that. But see, we need to understand that what God wants us to do is that he does not want us to model that imperfection. He wants to model the perfection. He wants us to model the perfection of Jesus Christ. And his perfection is how we were yesterday and how we are today. In other words, what Jesus has been doing in our lives, how he's been moving us from when we were, when we were in the middle of our problem, and where we are now after our problem. Are we perfect yet? No, we're not. But I'm different. Because now I can trust in Jesus Christ. Now, now I want to show you something. This is my friend Charles. When I met Charles, he was the elder of a church where I was pastoring, the Lighthouse Church. Charles grew in our church. His dad is a retired pastor. He graduated from PUC. So you could tell that, you could say that, that he was a born Adventist. When I met Charlie, he was married. And, and, and he was the elder, one of the elders in the church. And, uh, and by the way, I, I asked him permission to tell this story, so. Uh, we still grow together spiritually. And what happened is that one day, he gave me the news that, that he was getting divorced. That, that broke us because he was one of the spiritual leaders in our church. That broke him. In many ways. But you know what happened was that Charlie decided to, to work on his problem. He decided to work on his challenge. And he began a ministry in our church. We didn't have a name for it. We just called it a men's group. So once a week we would meet a group of us. A church. And we would talk about manly things. And by manly things, I mean what Jesus wanted from us as men. It, it was a difficult road. It wasn't easy. And what happened through that ministry was that we discovered that all of us were broken. That we have different issues that we have to work through. 
His text that he used as a model for that was Matthew 6.33. But seek first the kingdom, kingdom of God and all things will be added unto you. A lot of things were added. This is a picture of his wedding after his divorce. Charlie met a beautiful Christian woman, Char. Char has her own story, her own experiences, like all of us. But she, was, she is also a PK, a pastor child. And they had met before. But now they remet and they came together. Today, they have this beautiful family. They live in Tennessee now. But Charlie continues to minister. He continues to help people who have been broken. To put families together and to put children without a family in a family. He's an advocate for those who have gone through difficult times in life. And there's only one reason. Because he found that Jesus was the only way to heal his life. And his experience now has become the tool to help others find Jesus in the same way. You see, as we go through life, we often times think that, that we're broken and, and, and our problems are so bad and what we've gone through life is so horrible that there's no way that we can be useful for God. But see, no matter what you've gone through in life, no matter what it's been your experience, no matter what you've suffered, no matter what your bad decisions have been in the past, Jesus today wants to use those experiences so that you can become an instrument for the gospel. An instrument to minister to others. An instrument to bring motivation to others. And to bring people to the truth that Jesus is not someone who wants you to live in the future in an ethereal place. But Jesus wants to, you to live today a life of abundance. And that means that the happiness that is promised for us in heaven can be lived here today. And as we think on this words, Kiara is going to sing this song for us so that we can remember that no matter what you've gone through, Jesus wants to use you for the gospel. of us grew up believing at any moment we could lose it all and at the drop of a hat God might turn his back and move on a lot of us feel like we blew it thinking that we're just too far gone but I want you to know there's still a hope for you now and No matter what you've done 
can't erase his love Nothing can change it You're not separated No matter what There's never been a better time To get honest There's never been a better time To get clean So come as you are Run to the cross and be free And no matter what you've done You can't erase his love Nothing can change it You're not separated No matter where you run He's always holding on you're still a daughter, you're still a son, no matter what. I don't know what you've been taught, don't know what you've been told. All I know is my God will never let go of you, no. And I don't know what you've seen, don't know what you've been through. All I know is my God will never let go of you, will never let go. He'll never, never, never let you go. change it you're not separated no matter where you run he's always holding on you're still a daughter you're still a son no matter what you're still a daughter you're still a son no matter what. So today our invitation is it, it, for you. For you who been through problems. For you who maybe are in the middle of a trouble. Our invitation today is for you who, who have been wrestling with temptation. Maybe you've been looking at stuff that you shouldn't or going places that you shouldn't. Doing things that you know are only going to bring you pain. Our invitation is for you who perhaps have been hurt by somebody else. Somebody said the wrong thing, told you the wrong thing at the wrong time, and you have that pain in your heart. Today our invitation is for you. That you can allow Jesus to take the pain away and use it to elevate you to where you're supposed to be. To give you the tools that you need to be the man, the woman that he made you to be. And may your experience become an instrument to bring others closer to Jesus. If that is you today, I want to pray for you. That God can reach into your heart and change the things that he needs to change. And make you what you need to be made into. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we, we are here today at the end of this series. And, and Lord, we've learned a lot about ourselves. But perhaps the most difficult thing to accept is... It's the pain that we've been carrying over years, over time, over places. 
all this pain that, that has been caused to us by other people, this pain that has been caused to us by, by our bad choices and the pain that, that, that circumstances have brought into our lives. Perhaps some of us didn't know what to do with it, but today, Lord, we ask you to, to give us the wisdom to use it in the right way. That we can become instruments of your love because of the experience that we've had, that others may see that, yes, it can be done. Jesus can change you too. And Father, I pray for those of us here today and for those of us watching online and for those of, that, of us listening to, on the podcast, that Lord, that somehow we can see that, that there is hope beyond our pain. That Jesus can turn any bad experience into a blessing. And if even if we're in the middle of our dusk, darkest moments, He can bring light into existence. I pray for my friends, my brothers, my sisters, my family today. That the pain that we might have in our hearts might be changed into joy of knowing that Jesus doesn't waste anything. And even in bad moments, can be changed for His glory. And may we become a church, the church that you want us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.